Hebrews 12, 3 through 11. The Word of God reads, Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord's discipline, the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Read that again. The Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Amen. I want to preach to you today from the title, Submitting to God's Training. Submitting to God's Training. When I was younger, um, from time to time, a young man, a boy, I would get in trouble. And I wasn't considered, at least from my mom's understanding, I wasn't considered to be a bad kid. Um, I was told from my mom that I was a pretty easy child to deal with. Um, but every now and then I would do something and my mother would have to deal with me. My father, believe it or not, <laughs> as strong and as stern as he was, never hit me. I never got a spanking from my dad. Not one time. My father had this ability, however, to just look at me. And that look... <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who knew him, that look was like, I will, I'll take the spanking. You know, I'll, I'll just get, go ahead and get the beating. My mom, on the other hand, she was the one that was, uh, she didn't have that ability. So she, you know, whenever we got in trouble, she was the one that was swinging belts and losing rollers in her head before the concert. And screaming and hollering at us and whatever have you. You know, my mom had that squall, that Tremaine squall where she can lean back. And people say, wow, she's really anointed. She's really singing. And people didn't realize that she was warming up before the concert by yelling at me and Tristan. <laughs> East Oakland has a problem right now. It's a major problem. Um, the youth are completely out of control. 
Crime is at an all-time high. Uh, Oakland is the city that I was not born in, but raised in. Um, and it breaks my heart to see what's happening to the city I love. Um, when I look at the news, several of the city officials are trying to come together and find ways to solve the problem. And, of course, they're coming up with you know, ideas like, well, we need to throw some more money at it. Uh, we need to have some more programs. We need stricter laws in order to enforce um, uh, decency. Amen. Um, but the real issue is that, unfortunately, many of the youth of today, of today have not been parented in a healthy way that would cause them to grow up to be productive citizens. Amen? Yeah, there's some economic issues. There are some problems. There are some um, marginalized situations that we can see that are obvious. But it still comes down to the fact that, you know, we were raised in a certain kind of way. And I'm not seeing that uh, in the representation of the youth today. Amen? Um, Proverbs 10 and 1, before we go into our main passage of Scripture. Proverbs 10 and 1 out of the ESV says this. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. When children grow up, <coughs> they are supposed to be productive. They're not supposed to bring sorrow to the parents. And that's what I see happening a lot nowadays. A child ends up being a reflection of their parents. In some, way, uh, in some ways, that child represents everything that the parent has invested in their baby. Amen? Um, every parent wants to see their children successful. They want to see their children do well because they love their children and they desire that their children will represent who they are as a parent accurately. We don't want to be embarrassed by our children. You hear statements like, boy, I didn't raise you that way. Girl, what are you doing? You didn't come up that way. We, we, we get embarrassed or we, we have sorrow in our hearts when we don't see an accurate representation of what we put in them. Amen. Well, it's the same thing with believers. Believers have a heavenly father, amen? And he desires that his children mature in an accurate way that represents who he is. And he has some choice tools that he uses to make sure that his children line up reflecting the father and so that God will achieve his goal. Amen. So it says, you know, let me just read it again. Starting at the fifth verse. Yeah, Hebrews 12 and 5. Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children, saying, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you, underline this word, endure this divine discipline. Mm. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child 
who is never disciplined by their father. Amen? If God doesn't discipline you, then he's basically saying that you are not one of his. Amen? Amen. Verse, uh, let's get down to verse 10. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. And no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. Amen? But afterward, there would be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Okay, so the context of this scripture is this. The background, the historical background, what's happening is the Hebrews uh, book is written to Jews who are being persecuted because they are no longer in the Jewish religion. They have now moved over to Christianity and they are believing and placing their faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that, they're having a hard time. Amen? Uh, Point number two, the concern of the writer is that the pressure from the test and trials that they are going through because of their conversion into Christianity that they are experiencing, that the test and trials that they are going through, the concern is that they, um, they will get discouraged uh, to the point to where they will give up on their faith in Jesus Christ and go back to a religion of rituals and ceremonialism of the past, resulting in uh, an empty religion where there's really no relationship, but there's just a routine. Amen? Point number three. There was a danger, and this is a big point, that the Jews who were converting to Christianity uh, would begin to think that the suffering that they were going through was because uh, God was mad at them. Or that the suffering they were going through was somehow an indication that God was no longer pleased. And that was erroneous thinking. So, let's go through the verses. 12, 3. Hebrews 12 and 3. Uh, the writer says, think of all the hostility he, Jesus Christ, endured from sinful people. Then you won't be weary and give up. The point here is that under This immense trial that you're dealing with, the temptation is for you to throw in the towel and say, okay, that's it. I give up. Serving Jesus is just not worth all the trouble. That's the issue. He says, you don't want you to get weary and give up. And in verse 4 it says, after all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. So this very first part is dealing with the sinful acts uh, that we may create. And he's saying basically, whatever struggle or sinful situation you're dealing with, uh, it's not uh, so big and so big of a struggle to where you are resisting against that thing to the point to where you're giving blood or you're giving your life. Amen? You know, your drinking problem has not caused you to take yourself out because you're so busy resisting the desire to drink or resisting the desire to curse folks out. Amen? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Uh, Touch the nerve. (laughs) You've not gone to the cross dealing with your trouble. Amen? There's only one who's done that, and that's Jesus Christ. He went to the cross not because of his sins. He went to the cross for all of our sins. Amen? He's the one that put himself 
on the cross and died for sins because we were not able to have victory in that area. So we have not resisted against our sins or our struggles, our trials or our situations to the point to where we're giving blood. Amen? So here's the point. We deal with temptation. We deal with things. But let's keep it in perspective. We're not going to the cross for what we're dealing with. We ain't got it as bad as Jesus did. That's what he's saying. So he's level setting our perspective from the very beginning of the third verse. He's saying, listen, don't get weird on me. Yes, I know it's a lot. Not minimizing that it's a lot. However, what I don't want you to do is to think that your struggle is so unique and so horrible that you're going through the same thing that Jesus went through. That's not the case. Amen? Keep it in perspective. Here's the other thing. The previous chapter... Hebrews 11 talks about a very uh, long list of the cloud of witnesses. Amen? You know, there's a cloud of witnesses from, you know, people like Moses and, 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 and Abraham and all those folks who resisted and obeyed God with 2% of the revelation that we have. It's, that's an interesting point. It's basically saying that we have the promises of God. We understand the old covenant. We understand what the types and shadows mean in the new covenant. We're sitting on a ton of revelation about who Jesus Christ is, and those folks didn't have that, and yet they persevered and obeyed. Hear the point? So basically the point is this. Um, They were waiting for a Messiah to come. They were waiting for Jesus to show up. We have the Spirit of the Messiah living in us. They had the Spirit resting on them from time to time. We have him always. He's inside of us. So if they could persevere and obey God, how much more should we be able to persevere when the Spirit is actually dwelling within us? Amen? So he's level-setting our attitude to where you don't go, ah, wait a minute, it's bad. But it ain't that bad. Are you hearing me? Amen. So at this verse, from, at this point, from, uh, at the end of 4, now the, 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 the tone of the letter or the, the context of the letter starts to switch from sins that we do, and we'll bring that back a little bit later, to the trials that we go through. Amen? And he says this in verse 5. And have you forgotten the encouraging words from God, uh, the words God spoke to you as children, rather? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. He's basically saying that the discipline of the Lord, (laughs) even though we don't like it, it's extremely valuable. Amen? The chastisement from God is something we ought to appreciate. Mm. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline to the point to where you want to give up. Amen? And the enemy would love to tell us that the reason why we are going through is because of some terrible sin in your life. Amen? That's not always the case. Amen? There are plenty of people who've gone through things, even in the Bible. If you look at Job, Job, for instance, there are people who have gone through things that they weren't in active sin. They were just going through because the Lord decided they would go through. Amen? 
not because of sin. Sometimes you're going through because God wants to elevate you, educate you, instruct you, change the way you think. Amen? One of God's most dependable shaping tools that he uses for his children is suffering. Amen? And sometimes, let's just be real, it is possible that we, and I just want to balance that, it is possible that you are dealing with some dirt because you did some dirt. You know, not everything is because, oh, the Lord just picked me. This is just my year to go through. No, sometimes it's, it's because you did some dirt. You stole something, you, you know, you took somebody else's husband and, and now you're dealing with stuff in your relationship. And Oh, God, what's happening? Well, in 85, sometimes that stuff comes back on you. Amen? Sometimes it's that way, but not all the time. Amen? Sometimes it's not a thing where you're reaping what you've sown. I spent several years in the beginning of my preaching career talking about sinful acts because that's just where I was. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to balance that out, uh, believers also have to grow in their response to trouble. Amen? Because we need encouragement during the times that we are going through when God is just deciding it's your week to grow up. There's nothing, you know, here's the thing, saints, there's nothing worse than when a child of God is believing that your father, their heavenly father, does not approve of you. Amen? The children of God, for us, approval of God is everything. That's life. Amen? So here's the thing. The older we get in the Lord, it's true. We should be sinning uh, or having acts of sin that, sh that those things should be less and less. You know, it shouldn't be that we're getting worse and worse in certain categories. We should be growing, you know, going from glory to glory, strength to strength, and in a way to where we're not keeping up the same amount of mess and junk that we used to. Amen? And that's one side. But the other side uh, is that it's, even if you're not living in sinful debauchery, there are tragedies that happen in your life no matter how holy you get, that you just can't get around. Stuff just happens. And there are times when those things happen, if you're not careful, you're not be, you might not be dealing with, oh, Lord, stop me from drinking and smoking and cursing. It might be a thing where, Lord, help me to not to be in depression this week. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. So there are times when God is just growing us up. And when you add to that, you know, the devil's mad at you, or excuse me, God is mad at you, and the enemy tries to make you feel like, you know, you've done something in a way that's, that's wrong, and God is, you know, punishing you, um, then that thing can send you over the edge and make you want to, like, you know, Marvin Gaye, throw your hands up in the air and make you want to holler and quit. Sorry. I slipped out. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? So God uses the pain. Ah. God uses the trials to grow us up. But Satan 
from time to time, lies to us and tells us that we might as well give up. It's too hard, and it's because of something we've done wrong. Now, here's the other side of that. I can be honest with you. Sometimes it don't take a whole lot of Satan to convince us, you know, of wrong thinking when it comes to what God is doing. Sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, we're not living on enough word. Amen. We refuse to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. We're not praying. We're not receiving from God the truth. And we become insecure in and all, you know, all by ourselves without Satan having to push us anywhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because we're walking around, instead of filling up on the promises of God, we're walking around empty. Amen? So when we're going through a trial, you can't face those things with, without any kind of strength, inner strength in your inner man, pulling on the promises of God to cause you to be stable. Sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes it's just me. Amen? But these things, if you're not careful, they can cause you to want to give up, not realizing that all that's really happening is God's normal process of maturity. And here's the thing, saints. For those of us who have children, we do this stuff all the time with our kids. And God's not any different. Amen? Verse 6, Hebrews 12, 6. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. Now, you have to, thank you, Holy Spirit, you have to look at that statement and see both sides. When I read this first, when I was younger, you know, you know and growing in the, in the Word and trying to, you know, you know my, my negative thought in mind was like, the Lord disciplines, oh God. That's all I could see. <laughs> the other part is, those he loves. Are you seeing that? And he punishes, balancing statement, each one he accepts as his child. Are you seeing the balance here? Now, oftentimes, when we're going through tough times, you know, as I said before, the thought is that, oh, I've done something, God is mad at me. But this word here punishes, or in the King James, as it says, chastises. Amen? Um, when we read the word chastening or chastisement, we tend to think of a whipping, a spanking, a beatdown. Amen? But here the word means child training. Huh. So the Lord trains those that he loves. Thank you, Lord. Did you feel that? Child training, child training, educating, instruction, amen, correction, warning, amen. All are designed to cultivate Christian virtues and drive out the evil within. Amen? This passage, chastening, was not meant to be the word punishment or wrongdoing. But what God does is he allows these tough things, like trials and persecution, to train us. Are you hearing me? Verse 7. As you endure... This divine discipline, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you, here's another balancing statement, as his own children. 
Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? The verse teaches here that a part of God's education training process are things like uh, trials, pain, heartache. Although they don't come from God, he permits them and then overrules them for his glory, for our good, and also so that we can bless others. Nothing happens by chance to the Christian because God is on the throne. So tragedies are really blessings in disguise. I'm going to let that sit, for you, sit with you for a minute. Disappointments are really God's appointments. Amen? God harnesses the adverse circumstances of our lives to conform us to the image of Christ. So those of us who endure the divine discipline, we end up being blessed by it. Amen? What are you saying, Pastor? Endurance means no, short, it means no shortcuts. Don't take the shortcut. If we try to short-circuit his dealings with us, then what happens next time, like I tell my children all the time, if you don't deal with kindergarten, you're going to take it again. <laughs> right? Have you ever noticed you keep running into the same dude? Dressed a different way? A little bit more money? Talking a little different? A little bit sweeter? And then at the end of everything, it's like, that's the same dude. What happened? You didn't graduate. Didn't grow. Huh? Keep running into the same kind of difficult people. We talked about it this week in Bible study. What happened? God has given us the opportunity to learn and grow and get promoted. You know? All right? So I didn't curse you out that much. Just a little. That doesn't mean you passed. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's happening? We want to short circuit the situation. We want to short circuit the training. We want to get out of it quickly. God is saying, no, no, you're not ready yet. So because I love you and I want you conformed to the image of my son, I'm going to let you take the test again. Amen. We must submit to God's training because the tests, get, they get more and more difficult. Amen. God will have his way. We will be trained. We will be like Jesus. Put your seatbelt on. Get ready for it. Amen? Verse 8. If God doesn't discipline you as he does his, all, all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Woo. This, to me, is one of the most dangerous and scary passages in all of the Word of God. Um, if you're just having a good time all the time and you're not dealing with any issues, <laughs> that is not an indication that you're always on the right track. Amen? Partying yourself right into hell is not a good idea. Okay? Trouble. The trouble 
proves, saints of God, if we can get this. I'm talking to you and I'm talking to me. The trouble proves that you have a heavenly father. Amen. This ought to cause us to rejoice. So when the Lord said, when the word of God says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, one of the reasons why we can rejoice is because we have the right perspective on this trouble, and we recognize that I'm going through this stuff because I'm not like this world, and God is pulling some stuff out of me. It just means I have a daddy. That's what it means. Amen. I'm going through the toughest time of my life, but thank God I'm not a spiritual bastard. Me going through is an indication, saints. You going through, that's an indication that the Father is working on you. You ever go to the mall and you see some of them kids hanging out? And you go, somebody's not working on you. <laughs> You're going to come back like this next week, aren't you? You know what I mean? It, it's sad. It breaks your heart. But we're not that way because when we're in the body of Christ, when we get saved, we get the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works along with the circumstances that the, God, that the Heavenly Father, the sovereignty of God, allows us to go through. And those things cause us to be shaped into the image of Christ. Are you hearing me? Amen. Almost done. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit, as that word, even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever. There's some things that our parents told us to do. And they were good things. Amen? They were good things. And we respected those things, and some of those things have shaped us for our good. Amen? After a certain point, we begin to see the fruit of those things that they taught us. And we have respect for that. So much so that we pass those things down to our children. Amen? So here's the point. If human beings can teach us something good, how much more so can the father of your soul, the creator who puts breath in your body, who even thought you up. How much more so should we respect and revere his training? Are you hearing me? That's the point of this, this, that statement right there. Even more so the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever. So we can live on this word or this training that he has given us, and it's not just for this time right now. It's also for when we leave here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Verse 10, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years. Right, you know, right up about to some folks, like, when you're 18, okay, I'm done. But that's really not realistic. But they disciplined us for a few years, for a certain amount of time. Not everything they taught us was good, because they did the best that they knew. Amen? So not everything they taught us was right. My dad had to come to me and say, listen, I did that wrong. Don't repeat that. Don't teach your kids that. Are you hearing me? Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing what th the best that they knew. But everything that they taught was not right. Thank God we get to a certain age <laughs> and we get a little bit of sense and we get to make some decisions about what we submit to. 
because not all the parenting from our human parents is right. But that's not the situation with God. But God's discipline is always good for us. He is the perfect shepherd. He's the perfect father. He never makes a mistake. He will never tell us something that is erroneous or wrong. Amen? So that we might share in his holiness. Now, what does that mean? Well, I got a quote from Mr. Jowett. He's a theologian. He says, the purpose of God's chastening is not punitive, but creative. He chastens that we may share in his holiness. The phrase that we may share has direction in it. And that direction points towards a purified and beautified life. The fire which is kindled is not a bonfire. Blazing heedlessly and, uh, and unguarded and consuming precious things. It's not all, all over the place. It's controlled. It's a refiner's fire. Amen. And the refiner sits by it. That's beautiful to me. He is firmly and patiently Gently bringing holiness out of carelessness, stability out of instability, strength out of weakness. God is always creating even when he is using the darker means of grace. There it is. That hit me hard. There's the good times. I just love you, Jesus. And then there's the Questionable times. Lord, what are you doing? I don't understand. I don't get it. Is all of this necessary? I mean, every part of it for this long. Come on, Jesus. I mean, anybody said that? (laughs) Come on, God. Well, he's saying here that there is a darker means of grace. That's a wonderful way of putting that. Because that means that even God's heavy hand is gentle. Even his heavy hand has purpose. Even when you're going through the worst time of your life, God has the best outcome in mind. What's happening? He's training you. He's training you. He's proven that you got a father. Amen? Amen. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Last verse. It's painful, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way, submitting to God's training. I'll end with this. There was a man who found a cocoon that was housing a moth, a moth inside of it. It was a certain kind of moth very colorful moth. So he took it and out of its natural environment, natural habitat, and he brought it home because he wanted to watch the process of how the moth comes out of its cocoon. Now, the cocoon is shaped in a rather interesting way because the, the cocoon hangs like this, kind of upside down, and the top of it is hanging on to some kind of... Uh, I guess, anchor that holds it in the air. And then the bottom of it kind of bottlenecks into a very narrow opening. And here's the thing. The opening of the cocoon at the bottom makes it so the moth has a really, really hard time getting out. 
If you know moths, they're kind of hefty, kind of thick insects, right? So the thing is, is that the moth has to struggle in order to get out of the cocoon so it can spread its wings. So this man brings this cocoon inside his home, lets it hang, watches the process, and begin, lo and behold, something begins to happen. Amen? He begins to see some movement, some activity. There's a struggle in the inside. And the moth is moving. And he's trying to get out. Well, the tight opening has some type of ointment that gets into the wings of the moth. And this is very important because the wings of the moth, when they first come out, it's, it's very, they're very undeveloped and very, they're very small and not very strong. So the ointment is what... Oh, thank you, Lord. The ointment is what uses what, what, what nature uses to infuse nutrients and, and strength into the, the wings so that the wings will grow stronger in time. But the moth only gets these things in its wings as it rubs up and struggles to get out of the cocoon. Amen. So here's the thing. The temptation is to get impatient. And the man is looking at the cocoon, and after several hours, he's like, come on now. Come on out. So he decides, in his brilliant way of thinking, I'm going to get some really small clip scissors or whatever have you, and clip the side of the opening where it's bottlenecking at the bottom and help the moth to get out easier. But by doing that, the moth comes out and does not get a chance to struggle to get the nutrients in its wings. And I told you it's a very colorful moth. So the thing is, is the man is wanting to see the color of the moth. So the moth gets out, and it's kind of moving around and struggling a little bit. And eventually, you know, over some time, he begins to notice that the moth is not doing so well. Why? Because he skipped the training process when the struggle was happening and the nutrients didn't get into the wings. The issue is, is the Lord wants us to be able to spread our wings so everybody can see the color of who we are, and we can represent who God is by looking at our wings. But if we bypass the process and try to get out of our trouble and don't submit to the trial and the persecution and the hard times, then there will be no nutrients in the wing, and the, and the insect is too heavy, and we never fly. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? My thinking says, let me help out everybody I can see and somebody help me. God's thinking says, no, struggle a little bit longer. Because you're going to be beautiful. Everyone's going to see your colors. You're going to perfectly represent the beauty of your father. Your character is going to look just like Jesus. You're going to be just like Jesus if you just struggle a little bit longer. No, I'm, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to be there with you, but I'm not going to make it easy. Because if I make it easy, you don't come out looking like Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The struggle is important. We must submit to God's training. We must submit to God's training. We represent our Heavenly Father, just like our children represent us. Amen? And God wants us to show off all the beautiful colors. Amen. So the world can see, not us, but Jesus.
But to do that, we must go through, not around, the training. We must completely trust in the promises of God and have complete confidence that the life of faith is a sure win. We must guard against this notion that the race we are in as Christians is an easy sprint. And everything that we are dealing with should be Christian and rosy and simple. No. So somebody asked me, why, Jamie, you know, with everything that you're going through, why do bad things happen to, quote, unquote, good people? There are no good people, first of all. (laughs) There's no one good but God. But there are God's people. Amen. And God allows these bad things or these quote-unquote struggles and trials and persecutions and issues and heartaches and grief, loss, pain. He allows these things because he's wanting to use these circumstances to mature us, to strengthen us. We submit to his love. We submit to his training. And Dad used to use this analogy years ago, and I never forgot it. Stayed with me. He used to be like, Hawk, you know what the eagles do? I said, what they do, Dad? He said, eagles have their babies. They sit them high up in the nest. And the babies are used to getting fed by mama and daddy eagle. And they're dropping food in the, and they're, <laughs> they're getting their food, you know, and the parents are hovering over, flapping their wings, working <laughs> like slaves <laughs> to get these babies. And after a while, the babies get heavy. And the nest is not really going to support the parents and these babies because the weight is coming. And all this time, these babies, they got these wings. They ain't flying. So what the parents do is they go and grab sticks, put the sticks in their beaks, and they start sticking sticks (laughs) through the nest to poke the kids to where they are no longer comfortable in the nest. They don't stay in the nest. Eventually, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to spread their wings because they're taking hits. And eventually, they're going to spread their wings and take a leap of faith and fly out the nest and find out, guess what, (laughs) y'all? I can fly! (laughs) But they would never do it if they were comfortable and the parents did not allow them to be poked. Are you hearing me? We got to submit to the training. We got to submit to the training. I'm going through some stuff. I know you're going through some stuff. And we're going to be going through some stuff, y'all. This is a race, not a vacation. Amen? This is a Christian race, not a vacation. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We look to Jesus. They offer him to finish our faith. Amen? And he gives us what we need. But he also allows these circumstances that are not pretty. Some things are like loss and pain in order to get us to fly. Amen? But we must submit, not shortcut. We must submit 
to the training. Amen. I'm done.